We're just days away from the second Republican primary, the New Hampshire primary. Ron DeSantis, who is running a very distant third in New Hampshire and potentially will end his campaign if indeed he finishes third with only the five percent of the vote that he's currently polling. He uh, took some heat from a uh, town hall participant the other day at a uh, town hall in New Hampshire, and he was confronted by a guy who said, hey, you know what? Um, my librarian best friend in Florida, she's not going to vote for you because as a result of your book bans, a Dr. Seuss book has been banned. DeSantis doesn't like it. He says it's simply not true. I think there's a bigger overarching message here, but let's look at the clip first and then discuss it. Well, that's not true. So what's happened is, you know, there's pornographic books that are in the schools and we've empowered parents to object to that um, and to and to have it removed because it's just not right that that's happening. And I've seen the books and no one will defend the books. And when you show them publicly, media will cut it off because it's too graphic. Um, so but what's happened is there's activists out there that will say, oh, my gosh, uh, the, the U.S. Constitution, we got to take it off. It's that. So they're doing that to try to create a reaction. For example, they said someone said that they had to take off uh, to kill a mockingbird. Oh, the state is doing that, which is not true. Not only is it not true, that's on our, our Department of Education summer reading list. So, so listen, DeSantis gets very defensive. He tells the voter essentially that he's lying, which I don't know if that's good political strategy or not. But for me, the overarching takeaway here is not only are these contrived issues like the book bans and the, uh, uh, you know, quote, men in women's sports, et cetera. Not only are these very um, pointless replacements, substitutes for real political issues, they do very much have a chance at backfiring. And we've seen this with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, where you say, hey, uh, why are we so focused on abortion? The country is more in favor of abortion being legal than at any time in the Roe v. Wade era. Why are we focusing on overturning Roe v. Wade? Well, I don't know. We raise money on it. It fires people up. They do it and then they lose everything ever since. And we'll see what happens in November. If there is a takeaway from this sort of confrontation, is it about whether the Dr. Seuss book was really banned as, as a virtue of the intent of the law or by activists trying to prove a point or not at all? It doesn't even really matter. The point is, it's tough to believe that these are going to be long term winning issues for these Republicans. Can they sneak out a win here or there the way Youngkin did in Virginia on this stuff? Yeah, they obviously can. But the potential for backfire is significant. We've seen it with abortion and we're increasingly seeing it in these confrontations, at least anecdotally. We need to have a little bit of a discussion about religion here, and I don't want to offend anyone, but also I have to be able to have a realistic conversation with you. We're going to look at clips of an interview with the Ark of Grace Church and Amanda Grace. You're going to see Alina Habba, Donald Trump's lawyer, interviewed on this show, I guess. And you're going to see Eric Trump, Donald Trump's son interviewed in this first clip. Alina Habba says that the indictments against Trump can be blamed on demons, demons. Listen to this. I think that that there is a plan. There's God's plan. And mm -hmm. then there is the 
a demonic plan. And the demonic plan is very easily confused with real life. What there, there's an orchestrated thing going on here. Don't get it twisted. We have cases lined up intentionally during election time, intentionally trying to get negative attention right before an election. Iowa, uh, as you said. So she says it's a demonic plan. The way these trials are lining up, the way these indictments came in, all of it, demons are to blame on the exact same show. Eric Trump with his wife, Lara Trump, sitting alongside him, says the election of Trump was divine intervention. I think he's created the greatest political movement in history. And I really do believe yeah. that um, someone, something is looking down and guiding him every single day because there's no way in the world he could have been where he is today without the intervention um, of God. And um, Amen. I, I, I feel it. I know it. Um, Hillary Clinton raised 1.5 billion. My father, who knew nothing about politics in 2016, raised 300 million. So I actually don't believe Eric Trump or Alina Haba believe that stuff. I don't think Eric Trump before Trump got into politics, there was no reason to believe that this was a religious family that had literal beliefs like God is guiding Trump almost like a puppeteer. Uh, I don't think Alina Haba actually believes demons are uh, responsible for the indictments against Trump. But that almost makes it worse because they are willing to say these things because they've calculated that it's useful to them. And the reason it's useful to them is that there are people in the Trump MAGA universe who believe this crap. Now, being as sensitive as possible to people's spirituality and whatever, it's very hard to say anything other than in a literal sense, those are delusional beliefs. If they were shrouded in anything other than religiosity, if they were the guy on the subway platform at Union Station screaming, we would say this is a delusional person, right? If instead of God, it's my great, great, great uh, grandmother uh, coming to me and uh, guiding me like a puppeteer, or if it was instead of demons, if it was a unicorn is responsible, right? If you take away the, the, the sort of get out of jail free card of couching these as religious beliefs, we say, obviously, this is mental illness. And so for me, the interesting part is less about whether Alina Haba or Eric Trump literally believe these things that they're saying. I don't think they do. It's about the fact that saying these things is useful when you are part of a particular political movement that I believe is completely detached from reality. I want to hear from you about that. And on that note, I want to give you an example of how this sort of religiosity is weaponized. A couple days ago, there was a rally in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We heard from the failed former president, Donald Trump. We heard from some of his supporters. But I had this leftover clip that I wanted to save for this discussion more about the impact that religion and specifically it's sort of like a evangelical Protestantism that uh, and the role it's having in the MAGA party right now. I'm going to play video of a pastor who was interviewed uh, before Trump's rally. And I don't even know how to introduce this. This is this is weaponized religion. And it's if you abstract this from a religious context, we would consider this a manic mental breakdown. There's really no other way to interpret it until you say this is his faith. 
Listen to this. When Donald Trump becomes the 47th president of the United States, there will be retribution on all those who have promoted evil in this country. I said that this is a spiritual battle. I quoted Ephesians chapter 6 and Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 4. And um, they like to spin it their own way. Uh, retribution does not mean civil war. It means just punishment. And that's what we subscribe to here is we subscribe to a legal system that we believe in fair punishment for those who perpetrate evil in this country. There are just two genders in this country. What we see being waged upon the education system is insane. And those dark demonic ideologies, the communist ideology of Karl Marx in his communist manifesto, one of the first principles of Karl Marx's uh, communist ideology was to uh, take away the distinguishment of the sexes. And that's why we see that implemented in China. As soon as com communism was implemented, the women all chopped their hair off to have the same exact haircuts as men. And if you go to Shanghai or even Beijing today, it's very much still the same. Think about how serious this is. OK, put aside for a moment that this blending of political philosophy, economic philosophy, superstitious beliefs about a beliefs about angels and demons is all mixed up in a, in, a, in a witch's brew of sorts. Think about I mean, education won't fix this guy. If you bring this guy information, it's not going to fix this problem. I, I dare say I don't know that medication will fix this guy. Uh, these sorts of beliefs, they can be resistant to medication as well. How do you fix this? How do you fix it? I'm I'm looking for a solution here. Um, the, he also, by the way, said he prayed with Trump not long ago. Is faith really? It's absolutely important. I think the president sees that. I had the opportunity to pray with him personally in Cedar Rapids with 11 other faith leaders. He understands the power of prayer. I understand President Donald Trump to truly be a born again Christian leader in this race. I know him to be so, and I met with Dr. Ben Carson, and he feels the same. The other aspect to this is that Trump has bamboozled these people. Trump is so obviously not religious. He didn't go to church until all of a sudden he decided that he's running for president. He didn't ever say that the Bible is his favorite book alongside the book he wrote until he decided to run for president. And so there is a complicity. There is a willingness when Trump is so obviously not religious, he couldn't care less about these people except that they're useful to him. Who is the con man? This guy certainly seems like a con man con conning his followers about the religiosity of Trump. But has he not also been conned to some degree by Trump into believing that Trump is a religious person when he obviously is not? And at the end of the day, you kind of sit back. And what is really our understanding of what is going on here? Is it that all of these people for their own self aggrandizement choose to ignore obvious realities. Trump ignoring that these people are essentially crazy people. This guy and his followers ignoring that Donald Trump is obviously not religious. Everybody suspends disbelief and we pretend like this is a movement of God for God and alongside God. Or what is it? Is it a grift? Is it? I want to understand how it is that we got to this point where the obviously not religious guy convinces these people that he's religious. And then these folks are able to convince so many others that angels, demons, born again Christians uh, are all tied in with communism, Marxism, and that Trump was sent by God. 
who is the con man and who is the mark in this entire thing? I kind of end up at there's a lot of it to go around. Let me know what you think. We'll take a quick break. Big show coming up after this. I love my Helix sleep mattress. I've been sleeping on Helix mattresses for years now, which is why I asked them to be a sponsor. You actually take their famous sleep quiz takes just a few minutes to answer questions about your sleep preferences, body type, sleep position, whether you have back pain and Helix will match you with a mattress that's perfect for you, which is really unique and helpful because a lot of people don't know where to start when buying a mattress. I certainly didn't. Their newest collection of mattresses called Helix Elite come with a built in Glaciotex layer to keep you cool at night, an extra layer of foam for pressure relief and thousands of extra micro coils for best in class support and durability. All of their mattresses ship right to your door totally free. They come with a 10 or 15 year warranty and you get 100 nights to decide if you like it. My audience also gets a whopping 20 percent off all orders plus two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman and enter code helixpartner20 at checkout. That's helixsleep.com slash Pacman. Then use code helixpartner20 to get 20 percent off and two free pillows. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman Show today to get 10 percent off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P. dot com slash Pacman Show. The link is in the podcast notes. Did you know there are hundreds of commercial databases and people search sites that hold your personal information and the number is growing every year? Anyone in the world, boss and ex can use these people search sites to see your online activity, to find your home address, phone number, email address, license plate number, family members, financial info, even your political beliefs. Europe has certain laws that protect people against this. But it is a big problem in the United States. The FBI is even buying this data from these companies to get private information about Americans without search warrants. And the solution is our sponsor Incogni. It takes just moments to sign up. Incogni will send takedown notices to all of the major data broker companies to get your information removed from their databases, which they are legally required to do. And Incogni will keep you updated every step of the way with live information about who's complied, 
where is Incogni still working on it? Incogni will even send follow ups and appeals on your behalf. Go to incogni.com slash Pacman. You'll get 60% off with the code Pacman. That's INCOGNI.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60% off. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman Show is an audience supported program. We have so many great perks for people who sign up on my website, joinpacman.com, including the daily bonus show, award winning, but yes, all awards that we give out, but still, it's one awards, uh, commercial free audio and video streams of the show, the members only soundboard, and so many other great things. I invite you to sign up at joinpacman.com. Let's hear from the very most important people, the audience members. Without you, I'm a guy in a room by myself with a microphone, and it's all very, very sad. We take calls on the Friday show via Discord. You can find the Discord at davidpacman.com slash Discord. Let's see what is on the minds of folks in the audience today. Oh, I don't know. Why don't we start with how about uh, maybe Jeff from Minnesota? Jeff from Minnesota, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, David? David, thanks for thanks for bringing me back in. It's good to be back. My pleasure. So we're kind of in the middle of this dog and pony show with um, Republicans trying to impeach Joe Biden for, I don't know, stuff. Yes. Um, and you and I could talk for literally an hour about how hypocritical they're being with their compare and contrast with how they're reacting to Trump's indictment. But right. my question for you is, could this work to our advantage or could it be our disadvantage? Because I see it going one of two ways. Either A, it gets swooped up in the media cycle of, oh, well, they're just they're both dealing with their legal issues. So maybe they're both just awful or it could show that they have no integrity. They do not understand um, rules for thee, but not for me is not the American value. I don't know. What do you think? Here's my view on this. We have looked now on the show at a dozen, 15, 20 instances of Republicans who make claims about Joe Biden's criminality and corruption and all of it asked very directly, what evidence do you have? And they never cite any evidence because they don't have any. I don't think mm -hmm. that Republicans are at the end of the day going to move forward with impeaching Joe Biden without finding evidence because they will make the calculated guess that it risks hurting them more than it helps. You're right. Part of their idea would be, well, if voters are choosing between two candidates and both candidates have been indicted, then it kind of levels the playing field. Uh, I'm sorry, not indicted, yeah. uh, impeached, impeached. Um, but I don't. I think that if there's no evidence, the American people are going to punish Republicans for doing it to Joe Biden. And I expect that this is all assuming they don't find any evidence, which they haven't so far. I think the entire Biden impeachment thing is just going to dwindle. They'll never officially say anything one way or the other, but they're not going to impeach him if they don't find evidence. And uh, and, and they just they just won't talk about it. That's my prediction. Yeah. And that's, of course, the practical sense. And. I'm someone who's kind of like engulfed in the right media equal ecosystem because those are the people who I respond to on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. Uh, you know, I'm reposting their 
Um, there's stuff with quotes about fact checks, that sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, take, for example, when they brought in Hunter Biden, or rather he volunteered to come in. He was in there for like eight minutes and then left promptly when Marjorie Taylor Greene was given the opportunity to speak. They yeah. lit him up on Twitter for that. They were saying he's an absolute coward. Um, he's above the law, that sort of thing. And nowhere in any of those clips did I see anyone pointing out the fact that they said, let's bring him up to testify. Who wants to hear him right now? Show of hands. I don't know what the official procedure is. Yeah, I don't know about the official procedure, but we know that Republicans want to do it in private because they, they say that he'll grandstand in public, et cetera. I think they don't want to do it in public because it'll very quickly show that he's telling the truth, that there's no connection to any Joe Biden criminality and it'll be bad for them. That's my belief. Oh, Jeff, from Minnesota, course. thank you so much for, for the call. I'm going to move on. Uh, but that's my expectation as to the way that it's going to go down. I may be right. I may be wrong. We'll uh, we'll find out eventually. Let's go to Trevor from Salt Lake City. Trevor from Salt Lake City. Welcome to the program. What's going on? Uh, hey, David. So I've got kind of a quick little question, I guess, something that I've been, you know, struggling to reconcile in my mind, I guess. And uh, so I guess when I was in college, I took this class and we were learning about um you know, Federalist Paper 10, and how James Madison argued that the tyranny of the majority is this terrible thing and that we need to have rights in order to check the majority. Right. And then I look at like, for example, you know, the way we're doing zoning and housing, um, you know, basically the majority of people in a city, they're typically like homeowners who vote against any like increase in housing supply, for example. So, you know, to me, it seems like in America, we had these rights that we established to check majorities. Right. Um, but it's like super painful. And we actually rely on the majority voting against their self-interest to establish any sort of new kind of right. So I kind of just don't have a ton of faith like in American democracy generally, because I feel like we're just unable to like establish these new rights and, you know, grapple with these really difficult problems. So I guess like, what do you think when I say that? I think you're you're absolutely right that in many of these areas you do have a de facto. It's not necessarily a tyranny of it's not always the majority, but it's of the most powerful, certainly. And we have a lot of good studies. I mean, the, the zoning one is an interesting one, right? If it, it, depending on who is most engaged, the the existing homeowners can decide we're not going to do this. We're going to we're not going to do that. Things that may be good for renters or first time home buyers or whatever the case may be. It's a very good example. I think as a general principle, we don't even we don't have enough engagement with the political system to even argue that everybody is being represented. And and part of this is by choice, right? Even in a really great presidential election, I think turnout of 60 percent is considered absolutely extraordinary. So I'm with you that many of the systems are status quo uh, reinforcing systems where those who are either, you know, the majority getting to decide isn't a bad thing in many areas, but we don't want to put rights up to a majority vote. And in the case you're describing of zoning and housing, the majority by definition may be those who are already entrenched and powerful and they're already. So I don't I think the, the takeaway is all of these systems have to be looked at individually. And gotcha. unless and I like I, sorry, go ahead, unless we get voter turnout up. 
I do believe that if you had 80 or 90 percent of people voting in local elections to determine who's the city councilor and the mayor, state senator, uh, state rep, like, like if we had a voter turnout of 80, 85, 90 percent, I think a lot of this stuff would very quickly repair itself by having elected officials that actually represent the will of the voters, not just the portion of the voters who choose to vote. Gotcha. I guess the way it pushes me is more towards federalism. And, um, you know, I guess like the American Revolution is an example of a minority that, you know, chose to separate based on, you know, their perceived abuses from the majority. So I guess, you know, part of me and then I, I there was a speech that Malcolm X gave at Berkeley University in like the 60s where, you know, he talked about the, you know, African-American population being a minority and what he saw as the solution. And when is in his view, when you know, the majority is unable to like come to, you know, we're unable to establish some sort of right that would like allow the minority to live in the way that they would need to. He believed in like a separation, I guess. So I guess I, I would hope that there's some argument against atomizing further and separating more and having more federalism. I would hope for some pathway to unity, but I don't see that unless there's some way that we can establish rights for these disabused or disaffected minorities. But anyway, that's all I have to say. Thanks. I agree with you uh, on a lot of that. Trevor from Salt Lake City, thank you so much for the call. Let's go next to Jessica from Indiana. Jessica, welcome back to the program. What's on your mind today? Hello. Well, thanks for having me back. I was currently writing this up so that I didn't have to say it on the fly, but you got me halfway through it. So apologies. Uh, Something that I've been noticing while watching political YouTube for a while on both conservative YouTube and leftist YouTube is the titling. I You see titles uh, from, let's say, Midas Tucks, like Trump's creepy lawyer told to shut up by federal judge at trial or appeals court judge. Uh, you get my point. Or videos like yours, for example. Mm-hmm. Let's pull them up. Sorry. In other words, people are using provocative YouTube titles, myself Mm -hmm. included. Sounds to be the the basis of your question, right? Yeah. And I I noticed that I've been hate watching uh, conservative YouTube for longer than I've been watching leftist YouTube. And the conservatives do the exact same thing. Right. This is this is kind of confrontational to just leftist YouTube in general. But why are we doing the same thing as them? Well, people who make videos want to increase the number of people that watch the videos, right? If it, mm-hmm. if I make a video and you say to me, David, would you rather a million or a hundred thousand people see it? I would say, well, if I'm going through the work of producing the video, I'd rather a million people see it, see it rather than a hundred thousand. One of the ways that this is done is by following the trends of titling and thumbnails and different things such that you will garner interest from people. I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with it up until the point at which your titles don't reflect what's in the content of the video. Right. So if I were to have a video of Trump saying, uh, you know, we uh, we won in 2020 and I title the video, Trump kills a uh, Trump kills a Vivek supporter on stage. Right. That Mm -hmm. would just be straight up completely wrong and dishonest, et cetera, to the extent that we're playing up the emotion of events or uh, using uh, provocative language. I mean, it it, it just sort of is what it is. We don't do it with our podcast episodes because the way you succeed on podcasting is different. 
But, you know, that it's sort of the way these platforms work and and it kind of is what it is. Is it regrettable to a degree? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm. I get that completely. I'm just more coming from like you could probably get some people that don't know exactly who you are with a more center, quote unquote, title. Uh, well, see, the of... reason I think that's a problem is mm -hmm. the content of the video is not centrist. So yeah. you, in a sense, it's deceptive, I think, to title the videos as if they are completely neutral when they aren't. I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting question. Is it deceptive when CNN posts a YouTube clip um, that just talks about like the basic concept of the story and then goes into their more left leaning political views? I you know, you're making an I don't watch CNN clips, so I'd have to I look at, at I'd have to look mm -hmm. at specific clips and see, mm -hmm. well, what is the content? Is it deceptive? Uh, is CNN purports to be news where I am overtly opinion. I, I don't know the answer to that question necessarily. Yeah. It's Fair. an interesting one. Fair enough. And I just said CNN, it could have been MSNBC or Fox News for all I care. I'm right. Yeah. OK, well, that was it. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, Jessica from Indianapolis. Great to hear from you. Let's go next to. Oh, I don't know. How about Patrick? Let's go next to Patrick from North. Where is it? North something, something with an I. Patrick from North Idaho. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, David. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. You know, Trevor and Jessica hit on some really good points here. Tying into, you know, we have half the country that can't agree on what is the truth. Right. We've got media outlets literally brainwashing people. We have to use those negative words in our in our thumbnails to drive the algorithm. Is this going to be a point where the USA versus Trump eventually becomes the de facto argument against all of this defamation and all of this hate that is being spewed into the into the media. I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Well, Europe and Australia, for instance, the defamation lawsuits, you, you can't just go around lying about people. You know? Are we ever going to get to the point where we can hold people accountable like Mr. Trump that literally lies on the air 50 times a day? Well, so I think there's we... a couple different things, Patrick. Defamation yeah, I mean... and lying are two different things. And then also it's a very different situation. Defamation includes you. Defamation includes that this is having an impact on the person you're saying it about. So like, Patrick, if you were to say a lie about Trump on my show, Trump wouldn't be able to show that you damaged him in any way. Whereas on right. the other hand, when Trump says things that aren't true about E. Jean Carroll, if E. Jean Carroll is able to demonstrate that because of who she is and because of who Trump is, that she was damaged by it. Now you're talking about defamation. But so that's one aspect of this. The other aspect is, is that lying on TV isn't defamatory. And so I don't know that we're, uh, you know, one of the things about some of the indictments of Trump is that they say Trump is allowed to lie. It's sure. other things that are against the law. Are you suggesting the law should be changed on lying? You know, just in, in the. In the def, in the definition of defamation, perhaps there could be a, a little higher standard. The ethics is the hard part about it. You know, how do we hold 
our media companies ethically responsible right to actually tell the truth like like it used to be you know that that everybody yeah, can agree I just think that without yeah. really doing something that probably would not be constitutional to the fir- with, with regard to to uh yeah what you're trying to do with the First Amendment. I I just it seems very difficult to me. I don't think there's an appetite for that is my instinct. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it just is. Yeah, I, I can see that that appetite not being there. Yeah. You know, and with the Federalist Society and Project 2025 and everything like that, that is finally coming out in the open. You know, I just say we got to push back and get the numbers as high as we can and make this an absolute blue flush. Right. So. All right, Patrick from North Idaho. Thank you so much for the call. Let's take a very quick break. If you're holding on to chat with me, just hold on a little bit longer because we're going right back to discord and we'll hear from a few more people in a moment. One of our sponsors today is Deal Dash. Deal Dash is an auction website. It's been around 14 years. You might have seen their ads on TV. Deal Dash only auctions brand new items. You can get incredible deals. A Nintendo Switch sold for $22 recently. Deal Dash auctions anything from iPads to clothing, autograph memorabilia, you name it. And here's how it works you buy bids up front, for example, 30 bucks for 400 bids. Every auction starts at zero dollars. There's no minimum. And each bid increases the price by a penny. If no one bids only 10 seconds after you bid, you win the auction. I found an awesome chair on deal dash that's going to look great in my office. I'm bidding on it right now. It's sort of fun. If you don't win the item, you can use the buy it now feature to buy the item at the listed price and you get your bids back. And you have a 90 day money back guarantee on your first bid pack purchase. So try it out. Use my promo code Pacman for 100 free bids with your first bid pack purchase or go to deal dash.com slash Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's hear from a few more people via discord. You can, of course, find our discord at davidpacman.com slash Discord. We are going to go to Aaron from Michigan. Aaron from Michigan, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Uh, so, I want to kind of build on what the last guy was talking about uh, when we talk about the lies being told uh, in the media or, or by Trump. Um, so, first of all, I want to start with I think I disagree with you somewhat on. Uh, the economy being an issue. I know you're saying, hey, when I look at these economic factors, I see the economy is doing well. And I agree with you to some extent that a lot of the traditional factors we look at when we think about how the economy is doing, we say these are good under Biden. I think one factor that's kind of been a consistent and is becoming an increasing problem for Americans is the income inequality issue. Right. Right. And I don't think that's that's changing. Right. So I think it is the economy still, right? James Carville, it's the economy stupid. I think it is the economy still. Yep. But I think the root cause of the Trump issue, right? We still see 50% of people, right, voting for it. It looks like, you know, all the latest polls I've seen in the battleground states, Trump is winning if the election were to occur today. The best data we have says Trump is the winner. And I, I think this is an education problem, right? And I think you've correctly identified that with, with the children's books you wrote. I think that was a great step. But I guess I wonder why there isn't more emphasis and rhetoric around education. I understand it's not sexy, but I think that is what is going to wake us up from this collective nightmare. And I think the solution is likely generations away 
but it will not start until we start getting more serious about the education, right? The populace needs to be educated enough to, to critically think for themselves and, and come to the conclusions themselves and understand the difference between truth and lie, right? And I just see over the years, the rhetoric around, hey, Trump is bad. I don't think we've successfully deprogrammed anyone from this cult. And again, I think that's due to the education. So why don't we see more rhetoric around that? I completely agree with you. And I think that it's uh, certainly possible that mainstream Democratic talking points about this aren't going to say this is a cult that must be deprogrammed and we should do it through education because the right already says that education is merely left wing indoctrination. So if a mainstream Democrat starts saying these people are in a cult and we got to fix it through through educating them out of it, the right wingers will go. This is why we need private schools. This is why we need parents involved in it, it would in a very deceptive, bad faith way. It would, quote, prove the point that they are trying to make. Obviously, you are correct. We prevent people from even getting sucked into cults like MAGA with better education, critical thinking, epistemology, philosophy, media literacy. Of course, you're, it's undeniably true. And also, Republicans would seize on that if it started to become a mainstream Democratic talking point because they already are insisting that education is nothing but liberal indoctrination. So you, you see the conundrum, right? No, 100 percent. I agree with that. And actually, yeah. if I may offer this criticism to you in your critical thinking book, you kind of took a shot at Trump in there. And I thought to myself, boy, this would be a great book for every child to have. But it, right. this just gives more fuel to the indoctrination fire. When yeah, we, it's, when just we have that in there, it, right? it's just a joke. It's just a joke in the book. I hear you. Um, we, ca- you know, the second book doesn't have anything like that. Um, and, you know, we could do a version of the first book where the kid doesn't look like a child version of Trump. We, we could do it. You know, I don't think that that's the pinnacle of determining whether we're going to solve this problem, but it's a fair criticism. No, I agree with you 100 percent on that. But uh, thank you for taking my call, David. I appreciate it. My pleasure. There is Aaron from Michigan. Let's go next to. Oh, I don't know. How about Ryan from Auburn? who is also a website member. I appreciate that, Ryan. Welcome. Hey, David. Sorry, I'm a little under the weather, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad to be uh, a member now. Listen to the bonus show. Love it. Good. Um, thank you. I actually wanted to follow up on a conversation we had last time. Um, so last time we talked about AI and since our conversation, you had posted a video where someone took your video and made a made an AI voice version with Tucker Carlson. I wanted to know if what thoughts you had had since then on it and um, and, and sort of the direction of AI um, since now you've, it's sort of happened to you. Yeah, I mean, the, the one video where someone took my video and turned my voice into Tucker Carlson, it, it hasn't changed my overall view about AI. I mean, listen, one of the things I believe about AI is we're not going to stop the development of it. The people who are saying just stop everything. I didn't believe it was going to happen two months ago, and I still don't believe that that's going to happen. I still believe right. that there are lots of great things that will come from it. And there are also potentially scary things that we need to deal with. I you know, I am becoming more focused on what are the ways to tip the balance so that we get as much of the good with as little of the bad. But my view on AI hasn't changed because of the one time someone took my voice and tweaked it to make me sound like Tucker. Oh, yeah, no. Well, I guess what I meant was 
um, if you had any other thoughts on on that video um, since then. But but I guess um, just to continue a little bit, um, you know, I it's interesting. I thought it was going to be harder to do something like that. But yep. once I heard that video, I said, you know what, if if some random person on the Internet can figure that out, I could do it, too. So I go online and realize, oh, my gosh, this takes anybody with an average computer skill, like five minutes to do. Right. Like, uh, I'm guessing uh, what you would do is you would go to a voice. Here's how I would do it if I wanted to do the Tucker thing. Right. I would go to um, a uh, voice cloning site and then I would yeah. upload two minutes of of the actual Tucker speaking. And then I would feed it my video and I would say, please clone the voice to the Tucker voice, but keep the cadence and the speech the same. And I guess I, my guess is in 60 seconds, it spits it out. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's basically that easy. Yeah. Um, and I was also going to mention there's sort of a babblefish version, too, where I, I didn't test this out because you, mm. it does cost a little like you have to pay for a membership. It's like 20 bucks a month. I just didn't feel like trying it. Yeah. But you could theoretically do your own voice and switch it to Spanish and you could post a Spanish video that way. Yeah. People um, have said the people who make some of that technology have actually sent me samples. And it's so funny because the span, you know, I'm Argentinian and the Spanish, it, they sent it to me with like an actual Spain Spanish accent. And it was very surreal hearing myself speak in Spain Spanish. But yeah, I have yeah, seen that. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, I was that's it, it is interesting, but yeah. uh yeah, that was just a thought I had, but but uh, hey, I appreciate uh, appreciate you chatting with me again and uh that was really all I had for today. All right, Ryan from Auburn, great to hear from you. Let's hear from Johnny from Canada. I think is what it says, who says that he is a Trump supporter. I don't know what that means if you're Canadian, if you vote in the US. What what's going on, Johnny? Yes, hi, I'm on the air. I'm sorry, what was that? Yes, you're on the air right now. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm actually from Canada, but I just live uh, north of the border of the states, and I just enjoy following the politics uh, from time to time. I mean, I find it's a lot more entertaining than what we have over here as far as Trudeau and everybody else. But uh, yeah, no, it's my first time calling, and I, uh, I guess I was going to talk about stuff revolving Trump, and specifically, I was thinking. Um, I saw the whole situation with DWAC. I don't know if you followed it. Sorry, with what? You saw like the situation with what? The situation with what? With DWAC, their stock. EWAC. DWAC, like Donald W. A. C. It's Trump's company for True Social. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I haven't been following that at all. What's, what's going on? Oh, it actually went up about 50% uh, in the last two days because of the Iowa caucus. Oh, I gotcha. Hey, listen, and, uh, in, um, in what yep. sense are you a Trump supporter? Like, obviously, you don't vote in the U.S. No, I don't. But I just uh, I enjoy the like, you know, living in Canada. I really have enjoyed living under uh, the Trudeau rhetoric for the last decade. And there are things that resonate with me a lot more when I look at the stuff that Trump would say. Mm -hmm. um, like what? But well, I mean, I guess for one uh, we like I'm from uh, from Quebec and we had to deal with like uh, the COVID lockdowns during that time. And I know Trump is more federal, you know, well, obviously he's federal, but like just the, the rules that we have to deal with with, with the vaccine passports, 
um, but also the gun laws, the, the speech laws, um, just that kind of stuff. I mean, I know it might sound silly, but uh, I think it resonates with a lot of people in general that are conservative leaning uh, in this country. When you say conservative, what is a conservative principle you hold that you see reflected in Trump? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, as crazy as it might, as silly as it might sound, the rhetoric that he speaks, I find it's more authentic. Like, when but I authenticity like, doesn't mean conservatism, right? No, of course not. But just the way that he, even if it was someone, you know, like uh, like an RFK that was in yeah. power. If he came in just the way that he speaks, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say robotic, but even mm -hmm. like it's it, like, I find Trudeau is very much like Vivek in the sense of like the fakeness. But Hold on a second though, Johnny. Here's, let's see if we can values. drill down because you're mentioning Vivek, Trudeau, RFK Jr. and Trump. One of the things you said was because as a conservative, you are drawn to Trump. And my question was, what conservative value that is important to you does Trump espouse? Um, well, for example, his take on migration, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, the whole aspect of wanting more vetted migration. Mm -hmm. That's one uh, gun laws. I do respect that uh, that he does allow, you know, Americans to have their their rights for firearms. I mean, here, for example, now I've hold on a second, license. Johnny. What has Trump sure, done sure. to allow people to have their firearms? It's not so much what he has done, but rather what he hasn't done. And when I say that, I mean compared more to, for example, with Trudeau, he banned uh, all firearm purchasing and uh, restricted weapons. And I mean, as someone who enjoys going to the, to the gun range to practice and all that, uh, basically. We lost our rights to be able to, to buy a handgun, which, you know, we were not allowed to have that here. Meanwhile, there are states in your country where people are walking around for self-defense with that. I'm not saying I would take it that far and actually carry yeah. uh, a handgun, but it's just, you know, to go to the range and practice. You know, I'll I be honest, I one, don't know Canadian gun laws and what is at the province, city or federal level. So. I'm just taking your word about what Canada has done. I, I'm not acknowledging that what you're saying is true. I just don't know one way or the other, but I am. I do find what you're saying very, very interesting when it comes to migration. Your country under Trudeau, if I understand correctly, has much stricter immigration laws than the United States had under Trump. Isn't that true? So it's confusing to me that you look to Trump on the immigration issue. So I mean, I it's pretty damn that, hard to move to Canada. My my sister lives in Canada and no, I know. But like okay. what I would say to that, for example, um, one one perfect example is we had something called the Roxham Road border, mm -hmm. which was essentially uh, an unpaved road that went from upper New York into uh, the southern province of Quebec. Okay. And what was happening was a lot of these migrants that are getting shipped from the southern border to New York. I mean, we've all heard about that. And New York is getting very upset about that now. But what was happening was the New York uh, governor or I believe was the governor. He was sending up these migrants that they didn't want by bus, sending them through the Roxham Road border, where essentially they would cross through and RCMP would would welcome them with open arms and yeah. allow them to come in. And a lot of them set up in towns like uh, Cornwall and uh, Granby. Johnny, and, I got gotcha. you. I, I got gotcha. you. But here's the here's why I'm confused by what you're telling me. The first principle you said you admire about Trump over Trudeau, you said it comes to migrants and immigration. 
along every single line, Canada's immigration system remains dramatically stricter than the U.S. immigration system, even under Trudeau compared to what it was under Trump. It may seem like that on paper, but, you know, when I look in in my backyard, sort of speak, and I see what's going on, you know, on 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 the the media that that doesn't necessarily report on the issues, uh, you know, these alternative sources and podcasts and stuff like that. I gotcha. So, Johnny, uh, what you're saying, if I understand correctly, is despite what all of the laws are, you believe there is a story that you personally are witnessing that is not reflected in the law, nor is it covered by the media. Is that am I hearing you correctly? that's a pretty good way of putting it. Yes. OK, well, unfortunately, uh, it's very hard to evaluate that because you're saying it's completely invisible and, and there's no way to see it. But well, I think so your commentary is it'd be invisible to me. Sources. I could not. Yeah. What's that? What's that? Yeah, it's 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 hard for me to engage with it because you're saying ignore everything that's in the law about immigration policy. Here's what's really going on well, in Canada. And I just I, there's no way for me to know that you know. to do is if you have the chance to look, look at the story of the rocks and road border, I will you'll see there's videos of people lined up uh, these these immigrants uh, that passed through uh, the, the New York that came from the southern border. Yeah, uh, line up and the RCMP holds their hands as they as they cross this unpaved road. And that went I'll check it out they shut it down during COVID, but then they reopened I'll it when COVID uh, lockdowns went away. All right. But you do acknowledge that on paper, the Canadian system is dramatically stricter than the on US. Pa- do you, I will say you, on paper, there are many things that I enjoy about this country over the states. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I, I will say to a certain extent, I will feel a little bit more safer in this country. Uh, Why is that? Because I feel I feel like the mentality of many Americans, as much as I love Americans, there's certain hostilities towards each towards each other. There's a lot more division. Hmm. Um, I find that there isn't so much that division over here. Is that you know, division like in the U.S. Black partially or... because of Trump? I mean, that finds something that's been going on before uh, before Trump. You know, it's not oh, just okay. something that Trump came into office and you know woke up uh, out of bed and everybody started hating each other. All I right, Johnny. Well, I appreciate the call and uh, let's keep an eye on everything. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, David. All right. There is Johnny from Canada, the Trump supporter, although a little difficult to understand exactly why. Uh, Let's go to a break. We will take calls again, just not today. We'll see you very soon uh, and we'll continue the show right after this. Many of you have heard me talk about the hacking that I've dealt with in the past. Look up the statistics. If it hasn't happened to you, it still could at some point. Our sponsor Aura is the all in one solution that I use to keep all of our accounts safe. Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, email, password, social security number, and will alert you if it's found and will help you take steps to fix it. You'll get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura will monitor bank accounts and home and auto titles to help protect you against fraud. And Aura also will protect your actual devices from malware and scams with state of the art antivirus and a call screener. And Aura will help you manage what your kids can do on their devices with easy to use parental device controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there somewhere. It takes just a few seconds to use the Aura free trial to find that out. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes.
All right. It is the favorite time of the week for some people, the least favorite time of the week for some others. It's time for Friday feedback. You can email info at davidpackman.com if you have uh, some kind of question or comment you'd like featured here. Sometimes we will also feature YouTube comments, Facebook comments, uh, excretions on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, etc. We start today with an email. Kenneth wrote in and something insane is happening with my hair and I, I do apologize. It's really windy in the studio today. Kenneth says, please, David, just once. OK, I finally subscribed. Now, please mention the UFO topic even once. Biden has commented on it. It's crazy in the House and Senate. It's not just tinfoil hat weirdos anymore. It's a progressive issue regarding transparency, government oversight and national defense. Listen, I haven't been hiding my view about extraterrestrial aliens, alien intelligence, etc. If I look at the vastness of the universe and our galaxy and how the Milky Way contains hundreds of billions of stars and each of those has planets, the likelihood of extraterrestrial life existing somewhere is high. But the probability of intelligent life having reached Earth specifically in the ways and with the details that are often told in UFO contact stories is extremely low. Let's talk about it. On the one hand, when you look at the number of stars in the universe, 100 billion stars in our own galaxy, it's likely that some planets are capable of supporting life. And it's likely that the conditions for what we might call intelligent life aren't the strangest thing in the world. You look at exoplanets in the habitable zone and then we, we go through and consider the age of the universe, 13.8 billion years, certainly enough time for life to have developed. The laws of chemistry and physics seem to be universal, at least in the universe as we understand it, which means there is a really good chance that different forms of life have developed in different places at different times. However, however, there are some real problems with the UFO sighting stories, the so-called whistleblowers, numerous UFO sightings over the years, no concrete evidence supporting the claim that it is intelligent life from somewhere other than Earth. Most of the evidence is easily explained misidentifications of natural phenomena, human made objects, UFO sightings debunked as aircraft, web, weather balloons, even birds. In not every case is it fully explained, but we continue. There's also a lack of physical evidence. Well, the evidence has been covered up. It's at Area 51. This person covered it up. That person covered it up. If aliens really visited Earth, do we think that world governments are so competent and coordinated that they have been able to uh, hide all of the physical evidence by now? If this was as frequent as we thought, we would have some tangible proof, debris from a spacecraft, biological samples. But we have no such evidence. There have been searches and investigations. And then lastly, as I've said before, the idea of aliens visiting Earth, leaving without a trace, making contact and continuing to crash crafts in the way that they supposedly do seems really unlikely, really unlikely. 
if intelligent aliens existed and came from so far in the universe that we're not able to perceive it from Earth, we would expect that they would have a level of technology that number one wouldn't constantly lead to these supposed crashes. And number two, they would have no reason to hide their presence so completely if indeed their technology was so advanced. Now, to every one of these claims, there's a counterpoint. Well, if we are like ants to the aliens, it might be like, why haven't we tried to communicate with ants? They might not be trying to communicate with us. But every single one of these claims requires some kind of special pleading or explanation. So I have no reason to believe intelligent aliens have already visited Earth. Uh, I have no reason to doubt that there is life out there somewhere. So that's my view on the on the UFO issue, Kenneth. I hope that that is enough. And I don't know that I'm going to have anything new to say about it uh, uh, anytime soon. Wesley wrote in about the now modified new introduction to the show. Wesley says a tremendous improvement over the recent new intro. It wasn't horrible, but the squelch at the beginning was off putting. I like the new one that goes straight into the energetic, upbeat riff. Yeah, we so we have the new intro and then we made a small tweak and now we have the new new intro and uh, people people seem to like it. Everett writes in and says it would be interesting, perhaps frightening, depending on the results to see just how many people would want Trump to be dictator for life. Well, I mentioned this on the Tuesday show after the Iowa caucus. We are now seeing more and more interviews with Trumpists who when when you say to them, would you want another four years of a democratically elected Joe Biden or do you want a dictatorship from Trump? Many of them are now saying the Biden presidency is so bad, the dictatorship maybe is actually the better option. So sadly, a lot of these people, a lot of these people want a dictatorship as long as it's their dictator. Craig says about I think Rudy Giuliani, the amount of hypocrisy from a guy smoking cigars and drinking while complaining about medical side effects is astounding. I think Craig's talking about Rudy, who smokes cigars and drinks on his show while maybe complaining about the covid vaccine, although I don't actually remember. But yes, yes, the people uh, chain smoking worried about there might be chemicals in the vaccine. I hate to tell you what's in the cigarettes, my friend. Drea wrote in and said it all adds up. The cognitive testing at times thinking Obama is president, repeating his stories, forgetting words, becoming more vulnerable to conspiracy theories, getting confused about where he's supposed to go, the hygiene issues, the way he stands. I've dealt with this with a loved one. Uh, many people, uh, you know, a dozen, 15, 20. Uh, wrote to me and they said, I recognize things about Trump that I experienced when a loved one had dementia. That is not any kind of diagnosis. I'm just reporting to you what people writing to me have been saying. David Rosario wrote in and said, Trump 2024, dude, why gasolina was so expensive? Dude, during Trump administration, gas was less than two dollars per gallon. What a joke, dude. Go to school so you learn about economy. Well, I did. I got an undergraduate degree in economics and I liked it so much that then I got an MBA with a concentration also in economics. 
So I bring it up. You know, as people who watch the show know, I essentially never bring up my education. This guy is specifically suggesting I get an education about the economy. So I guess it's worth mentioning that I did. Keith says Trump has been the only Republican candidate for the presidency since 2014. He has not won the popular vote ever. He remains their candidate. Something fundamental has changed in the political process. There is no precedent for such longevity of dominance. Rational argument is ineffectual. It's actually incredible when you think about it that way. It's been 10 years. Actually, this isn't even true. It's really 2012 because 2014 was the midterm. So in 2012, Romney was the nominee. In 2016, it was Trump. He lost the popular vote. In 2020, it was Trump. He lost the popular vote in, and the Electoral College. In 2024, every indication it will be Trump. It has been 12 years since the Republican Party has had a different political candidate uh, as their nominee. And he hasn't won a single popular vote. And it looks like they are going to do it again. Is that the definition of insanity or what? Um, lastly, here is Shaz Max, who commented on Facebook. Lauren Boebert is a brave woman standing up for her rights. She is a patriot and a real time American hero. Thank you, Lauren, for everything you do. And then Larry came in and responded to Shaz and said, she gave a guy a rub in a movie theater hero. Yeah, the people who are still excited by what Lauren Boebert brings to the political theater. I don't know what your standards are. I don't know what makes an elected official a good elected official at this point in time. But it is a very strange thing to hear people talk about family values and protecting our children and so on and so forth. And meanwhile, defend Lauren Boebert. I can't say I get it. I can't say I get it. But of course, as we all know, these supposed principles from the right go into the toilet as soon as the principles are inconvenient to them. And that's exactly what's happened with Lauren Boebert and Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all of them. We have a great bonus show coming up for you today. If you are not yet signed up, if you've not yet had the pleasure of hearing the bonus show, sign up at joinpacman.com. Access will be granted instantly when you subscribe. And I think that one of the best deals going is our normal membership rates. But if you would like a discount, you can use the coupon code Save Democracy 24, Save Democracy 24, which will save you 60%. I'll see you then, and we'll be back Monday with a new show.